Hey guys, welcome to the special Satisfied series with the Real Life Podcast. I'm so thrilled you are here. For this special eight-week series, I've gotten to interview my dearest friends who I look up to, I've learned so much from, and I do life with, and we talk about all the things, all the real-life things of how to become satisfied women in different roles and areas that we live in every day. I'm so glad you're here, and I hope you enjoy this next episode. Welcome to the Real Life Podcast. Today on the special Satisfied series, I am so thrilled because my dear friend Jenny Allen is here and I've been looking forward to this conversation for so long just to talk about so many things about our callings, about doing battle in our mind and about friendships, which is such a big thing that I write about in Satisfied and also such a big thing in life and with women too. So Jenny, thank you so much for being on today. Oh, I feel the same way. I couldn't wait when I saw this on my calendar. I was so happy. Oh, I, <laughs> I know. love you guys. <laughs> we love you. And hey, I know probably every listener listening knows who you are and what you do. But I just wanted to tell you personally, well, we've known each other. I feel like I've known you since Jeff and I were married. Um, I feel yes, like I... which you were young when you got married. So you were yes. 20. How old? I mean, I was 25 was a decade ago. Yeah. Yes, it was. And I remember our first year of marriage, I read your book, Anything. And I was like, Mm. that book was so pivotal in my life. And then I read it again Mm. this last year. And I'm like, it's so good. And just continually praying like, Lord, anything. Um, And so we've Mm. loved like, you know, being with you guys these last 10 years or so. But I just wanted to say to you too, especially this last year, you have been one of the biggest impacts in my life and just what you put out, what you write about, what you say. Um, and I wanted to tell you, I thank the Lord constantly for you and just how mm-hmm. you um, are equipping the church and equipping me. And I know that there's so much that goes on behind the scenes and so much hard work, perseverance, spiritual warfare. And I just wanted to thank you for being faithful and for um, just pouring into this next generation and being faithful to the Lord and really giving Jesus away. I'm just, I cannot tell you how grateful I am for you and your impact in my life. So thank you. Well, you you. just (laughs) made my whole week. That's the sweetest thing, Alyssa. Thank you. Thank you. And that means so much to me coming from you because there is this little bond right now with those of us that love God and are trying to navigate all this, the tensions of our day well. And, and I do just look over and see you guys beside us. And and we're so grateful for both of you. Oh, well, we are just, yeah, biggest fans. So I'm so grateful for you, Jenny. Hey, okay. So let's go right in. Well, actually, before we get to the questions, I have this question that I've been wanting to ask you for like over a year. (laughs) It's so important. Um, Where do you get all your cute blouses? Oh, <laughs> well, I have to say there is no right answer to that because I have a friend that loves to shop and she mm-hmm. actually is my finder of fun things. And so she sends me, she's like, this is what you're wearing at it gathering. And so <laughs> I don't even always know where things are from. Um, so, oh, I, so every time I I'm do, like, that's so cute. Oh, she's yeah. A good well, friend. I would love to take credit for my you know, great taste, but she doesn't think I have good taste. And so she's the one that's like, <laughs> I'm going to dress you for this. So anyway, oh, I love she's it. my buddy. Yeah. Oh, well, shout out to her. Um, okay. So, Hey, let's go right into talking a little bit about calling. 
um, especially because you talk a lot about this, but it's been, you've been so impactful in my life. Um, and I love just the phrase you always say is, let's give Jesus away. I feel mm-hmm. like that kind of breaks down all fears and um, ways that we can easily put ourselves in boxes or other people in boxes or um, pride. And so how would, what would you tell people when you say like, how what would you encourage them with, with how do we give Jesus away in their own unique way, in their own seasons and roles in life? Mm. Well, I think that is a big question because of what you just ended with there, which is mm-hmm. the roles of life, right? And, yeah. and what I encourage people to do is to imagine that there are two people that for the rest of your life, those are the two people you're going to invest your life in. What would you want to do for them? What would you want to give Mm -hmm. them? What would you want to do for them? And if you can narrow down to what you would do for two people, if you met with them regularly and invested years of your life in in those two people's lives, then you can start to get a vision for what you would do for your family, what you would do Mm -hmm. for a greater number of people, you know? And I think we often don't realize that God has uniquely built us to, to invest, you know, different things in different people. I look at at you and Jefferson, and you probably never would have dreamed when I met you 10 years ago that y'all would do family ministry, ministry, right? Right, But it's still just an extension. It's still just an extension. It didn't surprise me at all. It, Mm -hmm. it's almost like maybe your mission statement and his mission statement together were as we go, we're going to show people how to follow Jesus in these different seasons. Mm -hmm. And, and so you did that as young marrieds, you did that as young parents, you know, and you'll do that with teenagers. And, and I Mm -hmm. think, that, that really does inform a lot of how you probably make decisions and, and what you give away to people. And I think we overthink this and, and we think it has to look a certain way or be a certain job title. But the truth is it will look different in different seasons. I have a friend that says, this is my assignment right now. Like this is, mm-hmm. there's a big picture mission and that's always pretty much the same. For me, it is make disciples who make disciples, right? Like that's, yeah. and that's probably a lot of Christians to some mm-hmm. degree. And, or it should be, you know, mm-hmm. meshed in whatever mission we, we feel called to, right. but what that looks like today is a podcast with you. What that looks like today is writing children's books. What it looks like today is, you know, discipling women through if gathering mm-hmm. and honestly, a little small group that I just started. So those different assignments are playing out, but I'm not confused. Every single one of those things fits in the mission of my life. Mm-hmm. And those assignments are accomplishing that. And when I'm 80, hopefully I'll feel the same way that I'm just doing exactly what I did when I was 17 in my living room, making disciples because Mm -hmm. I love Jesus and I wanted to give him away back then. And when I'm 80, I hope it'll be similar, but it may not look like a living room. It may look like a podcast. It may look like, you know, writing. It may look like working in a, you know, a a floral shop and, and making disciples just through my relationships. Right. It can look a million different ways. And I do Mm -hmm. think we get stuck in our head about what it looks like and what it means. And are we doing it right? And we have so many fears and doubts when God's kind of like, Hey, I meant this to be a relationship where you follow me. And as you follow me, other people are going to follow you. And Mm -hmm. y'all are trying to like strategize and like architect plan the next five years of your life. And I've just never seen him really work that way. Every once in a while, he'll give me a hint, like a vision of what's coming or what's ahead. But it's yeah. usually just a little hint. <laughs> right. I had a vision for if gathering, but I didn't know a detail or 
mm-hmm. what it would actually look like, or that it mm-hmm. would be a conference. Or I just knew I wanted to make disciples through bringing a lot of women together. And, and I kind of had a picture of, of how that might play out, but, but ultimately he wanted me to walk with him day in and day out and ask him like, what next, what next? And yeah. I've loved living and following God that way because I need him so much and I depend on him so much. And I, mm. I love, I feel like that's defined my walk with God is, is knowing big picture what my purpose is, but that just comes from the Bible. And then yeah. day in and day out, depending on the spirit to lead me into relationships and opportunities and, and to lead me away from things too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love what you're saying because I feel, I agree, everyone, we get so in our heads and we feel like we need a five-step plan or it needs to look like this, or we feel like we have a big dream that we're still waiting on. And I feel like what you're saying about how am I going to follow Jesus today with the big picture in mind brings so much freedom and also so much joy with what season we're in and knowing that like it's not wasted and God is using this and we get to still fulfill the mission in today. Um, I just, yeah, I love what you're saying. So how, let's um, talk a little bit about our minds. You came out with a book, was it last year? Was it a year ago now? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It was ex- almost exactly a year ago, yeah. Okay, Get Out of Your Head, which is amazing. It is so rich mm. and so good and so needed. Um, so can we just talk a little bit about um, why is it so important to get out of our heads, to take every thought captive and to do the battle in our mind? Well, I don't think before this project, I realized how much our minds are affecting everything. And I'd heard mm-hmm. verses like Proverbs that says, um, you know, as a man thinketh, so he is. It's such an absolute verse. It's like, you are literally what you think. That's, that's what, you know, the opposite of that is. And, and yeah. so i I'm I'm thinking about that and I'm going, okay, wow, I don't even pay attention to my thoughts, right? Like I just Mm -hmm. go through my day. I pay attention to my emotions. I pay pay attention to my relationships. Mm -hmm. I pay attention to my circumstances, but I rarely pay attention to my thoughts. And, And it scared me. And I saw the enemy using my thought life in a really detrimental way. And, and when I did the work, I realized, wow, we have a lot of power over our thoughts. It's a place where God, through his word and through Paul, a lot of times it's through the apostle Paul, gives a lot of language, command language around our thoughts. He's very bossy. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> think about these things. Um, and that, and, and he promises that this is how our life will change. Um, mm-hmm. Romans talks about, um, do not be transformed by, or do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. Well, all of us want that. We don't want to mm-hmm. look like the world. We want to be transformed. Then it says, by the renewal of your mind. So it's actually like the key to, to change in our lives. It's the key to um, us not being conformed to the world, but being transformed. That's important. And then you see in Romans eight, you see these, these two different ways to live. You see the, the road to sin and death and the road to life and peace. Well, obviously we all want the road to life and peace, even though I think a lot of us accidentally or purposely choose sin and death a lot of days. Yeah. Even if that's just zoning out with Netflix and, you know, a glass of wine, you know, it's just Mm -hmm. that, that, that road can, can cause us to not love God and to, to not do the purposes that he has for us, which is ultimately sin and unbelief. Right. So, Mm -hmm. so we have these choices and then Romans eight says, um, what you set your mind on is going to determine that. So it's set your mind on the spirit 
and you'll be full. That's what sets you on the road to life and peace. Set your mind on the flesh. That's what sets. That's why to me, Netflix and those kind of things are a little bit dangerous because you're setting your mind on this world versus setting your mind on the spirit. So, mm-hmm. so I saw all of these verses at the same time, my daughter is, is wanting to go into neuroscience. And so she, at the time is middle school, high school ages. And, and we're reading and watching Ted talks and reading all about neuroscience. And, and it's interesting. I, the more I read, the more I felt like I was reading the Bible. Like they kept saying things wow. like you can change your mind and, and your thoughts you have control and power over your thoughts. Mm. I was like, that's exactly what scripture said. And so it gave me a lot of curiosity as to why I didn't believe that. And I'm someone mm. who went to seminary and grew up in a Bible church and have been discipled by amazing people and, and fill my mind with a lot of truth. And I'm going, gosh, I don't know that I actually have ever dwelt on that, that my mind can change, that I can interrupt thoughts and have a choice as to how mm. I think and what I dwell on. So I was convicted personally about it. And then I saw in my life, a lot of bondage where I had, you know, the story I tell in the book is 18 months of waking up in the middle of the night and struggling with doubt and, and never really fighting back. It was obviously Mm. spiritual attack. And I can see that now, but at the time I didn't, I just let it happen. You know, I just let all those thoughts occur for months. So I think, I think my hope for people with this project and I've seen it happen is just that it's super empowering that you feel like, wow, I have, I have more power than I thought. I have more spiritual authority over my mind Mm -hmm. than I realized. Yeah. Well, I've actually been thinking about that lately. What does that mean when it talks about having spiritual authority? Mm, Good question. (laughs) It's my favorite thing about this whole project that I, I would have, you know, if somebody would have said the word spiritual authority, I would have thought that sounds awfully charismatic. And again, there's point, <laughs> right. you know, I come from a pretty conservative side of the church, but, but I got a lot of charismatic in me too. And, right. and, and so I'm not afraid of all that, but I, but I also just wouldn't have totally related to those words. I wouldn't have known how those words were significant. Mm-hmm. And then I walked through that 18 month season. And what I learned was I didn't take dominion over my thoughts. I really let the enemy tell me whatever he wanted. And, mm. and specifically I was so vulnerable, I think at night because I kept waking up and, and I was really starting to question my faith and that led to a lot of anxiety about death. And, and that really was mm. the trigger or the awareness point for me of, gosh, I'm, I'm spiraling in fear. I couldn't even watch like an Avenger movie without near panic attacks because I was so afraid of death. And so wow. there were definitely some signs of, wow, you're, you're, something's going on. This is eroding your faith. And that was when I started to open up and notice, wow, this has been happening for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so all of that back to the spiritual authority thing, what, what changed in me was I feel like I was getting beat up by myself, by the devil who John yeah. eight, Jesus says is a liar. <laughs> and he mm-hmm. says it four different ways in that passage. And as a writer, um, I'm very, I, I, I don't know if I've ever said something four times in one paragraph, Jesus says in four different ways that, that, the, that, that the enemy is a liar. He, he mm-hmm. definitely wants us to know that. And, and so I, I started to just pay attention to that and realize, wow, this is really where he's going after women is in mm-hmm. our minds. He's yeah. really lying to us regularly and we're not even paying attention to our thoughts. So it's a great place to do it. Right. Cause mm-hmm. we're not even noticing our thoughts. Right. And then we're believing the lie is truth. He's a good liar. He's actually good at it, right? He's effective or it wouldn't, he wouldn't be taken down the world the way he is. So, Mm -hmm. 
Now he's not winning, but he's definitely a, a, appearing to win in a lot of situations in our lives, right? Mm-hmm, and so right. Um, <laughs> we know in the end he won't, but for now he's having his day for sure. And the way he's most you know, effective is as a liar and lying to us and us actually believing it. We say mm-hmm. all the time the enemy's a liar, but what we don't realize is how awesome we are at believing the lie. Like we're so good at it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think owning that and realizing, wow, this is something that's, um, affecting a lot of people and, and nobody's kind of waving their arms and saying, Hey, this isn't true. Forget Mm -hmm. that, that anxiety has just overtaken our generation, right? Like everybody alive, like we're just, it's rampant. Um, Mm -hmm. just, go to coffee with somebody and ask them about how they view themselves and you'll just, your jaw will drop and you'll, you'll hate it. But if Mm -hmm. they were to turn it back on you, you would say the same things. You don't Mm -hmm. believe it for them. When you, when you hear somebody else voice things like that, you know, it's a lie, right? But you're believing the same kind of things about yourself and they can't convince you it's not. And so I think that spiritual authority piece, why I love it so much is we have been fighting spirit with fleshly weapons. And second Corinthians says that it says you're fighting. Um, you, you don't fight spirit with fleshly weapons. You have right. divine spiritual weapons that destroy strongholds. Mm. So, so focusing on that authority that we've been given to destroy strongholds and realizing that we've been equipped for every good work that God prepared in advance for us to do. And that we are more than conquerors mm-hmm. and that we are not filled with a spirit of fear, which is right now, you know, holding yeah. everybody captive. And mm-hmm. I would say is at the root of the anger we see at the division we see, I think fear is, yeah. is underneath it all. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like a, the most base feeling we have as humans, yeah. I think. Yeah. And, and so we're not, but as believers, we're not supposed to be <laughs> filled with the spirit of fear. Mm-hmm. We've been filled with the spirit of power, of yeah. love, of self-control and self-discipline. So, so that's, that's what I get excited about and where spiritual authority has changed the way I pray. I don't pray any longer desperate prayers of like, God do this, or would you do this? I pray with authority that, that God, if it's in his book, if it's his will, I pray it with Mm. declaration. I don't Mm. pray like hoping or wishing. And I'm not saying I always pray like, like Jesus, you know, your will be done. You're yeah. right. It's, it's, yeah. there's a submission and a surrender to it still. It's not like I'm like, like strong arming God into something, but, <laughs> but I, but I do believe that there are things that we have done with timidity that with yeah. God and prayers, we pray with timidity that we should pray with a lot more authority and power mm, and yeah. certainly over our mind. And so now when I wake up in the night, it's definitely declaration prayers. It's like, get away from me, Satan. Like we're not mm-hmm. doing this. And mm-hmm. I've experienced so much more freedom. And mm-hmm. and I went from getting beat up to an offensive fighting position, right? It's just a yeah. whole different <laughs> posture to right. the way I approach my thought life and my fears. Oh, so good. Okay, hey, one more question about our thought life. How do you, especially you have teenagers and um, that age, but how would you encourage moms or, or um, dads to help our kids fight the mm. thoughts in their minds. Like, how do you, yeah. how do you do that? How do you have those conversations and walk alongside them and do battle with them? Well, you nailed it. We've got a real problem here because I do think um, we're looking at, looking at a whole generation that's 
anxious at very young ages. And there is, you know, there's a, there's a suicidal, um, epidemic. There's, I mean, it's just terrifying. Mm -hmm. It's truly, we've got to take this so seriously. And it's really, in fact, I'm going to spend some time in this year building some resources for teens and, and for Mm -hmm. even younger kids, because I'm hearing it, you know, as young as seven, eight year olds that are just spiraling in anxiety and Mm -hmm. it's just not okay. And, and I think we've got to train, we've got to train people how to fight. And I think the reason the book did so well was because one, I mean, it was unbelievable timing that only God could have known. I mean, the book came out a month before COVID. So right, right. there was this moment of fear that paralyzed all of us, right? Mm-hmm. But I also think the book did so well because it was like, hey, you have more power than you think. And yeah. and quit acting like a victim to your thoughts and start taking control mm-hmm. over your thoughts. And mm-hmm. I think everybody was like, hey, I'm, <laughs> regardless of whether that's that truth is out there everywhere or not, I think most of us haven't believed it or, or owned it. Well, totally. the same is true for... The same is true for our kids. If we aren't owning our own thought life and our own mental health, then how on earth are we supposed to train our kids? So I think the mm-hmm. first thing is we've got to we've got to own that ourselves and we've got to do yeah. the work first. Mm-hmm. But then we have got to teach our kids what scripture says, which is do not dwell on that. I remember my daughter one time mm-hmm. um, started voicing some fears, which I was really glad. And, we, and in our family, it's always say it out loud. Never hold it in. Yeah. Always say it out loud. Mm-hmm. And, and we have kids that are pretty good at that. She it's hardest for her, for this daughter, um, mm-hmm. of all four of our kids to voice it, but she did. And, and immediately I said, okay, I, you know, I praise that. I was like, Hey, I'm so glad you said that. But, but Caroline, I don't want that thought in your head anymore. It's not, I, I'm glad you said it. There's no shame in, in, in saying that this is what you're thinking about. But what I want you to realize is I don't, I want you to interrupt that thought and I don't mm-hmm. want you to give it power anymore in your head. And that was like, she was so curious about that. She was like, what do you yeah. mean, mom? What do you, she never even had those thoughts or, or words. Like I can interrupt my thoughts, what? Mm-hmm. And right. so, you know, what we do, and, and again, the book talks about this and we don't need to go way deep into this because we want to talk about other things, but, but the book talks about mind mapping and, and that's just a practice that's been around for, for hundreds of years, but you just write down your thoughts and start to notice them. And then you give a theme to your thoughts and what is the, big picture worry or big picture fear that you have that's regular. And then you begin to notice that in your day to day and you interrupt that thought and go, Hey, I have a choice. I don't have to dwell on this. I don't have to spiral out of control. And so there's some steps to take that really Mm -hmm. do, uh, I believe shift that narrative and, and it does take practice and you get better at it, right? You Mm -hmm, you practice and it, it gets, you become more excellent at, at noticing your thoughts and then also interrupting them. Mm-hmm. Man, so good. I think just the one line of um, we have a choice and you can interrupt your thoughts is so life-changing um, for us and then to lead our kids in that. Okay. Hey, let's go into talking about friendships. This is such a big thing when you think about being satisfied in life. And I know you just finished your book. I cannot wait. When does it come out? Do you know the date yet? It comes out late February. So oh, so okay. have a so, little while. A little while, but getting there. Um, yep. Okay, and it's all about friendships and relationships. So I would love to just, you know, pick your brain a little bit about that. Why are friendships and community and the church so important? Mm. You know what I thought you were about to say and ask? <laughs> what? So I thought you were about to say, why is community and friendship so hard? Oh, and that's my next question. Okay. 
Because I think we got to start there because there definitely is a huge barrier to this Mm -hmm. beautiful, amazing plan that God had, Yeah, which if you look back at creation, um, you know, he created from a place of community. It even says in Genesis one, before we even know who we is, right. Mm -hmm. Is we created man in our image. So there is obvious trinitarian language which is just you know it's the only word for the godhead which is father son holy spirit being one god but three separate persons within one god it is a even though i've gone to seminary and have studied had whole classes on this topic i cannot explain it it is a mystery beyond mysteries Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it matters and we need to know this because just the very fact that our god who is one god but three persons is in community Within himself, as hard as that is to understand on a, you know, Tuesday, whatever, wherever you are, right. listening, whenever <laughs> you are listening, is it, ha- it matters so much. So he creates us in his image. And then the first thing he does is he creates Adam and he says, it is not good for man to be alone. Mm-hmm. And so there's this very clear message of isolation is not how humans are meant to thrive. Right. We, in our day are so isolated. We don't even know how isolated we are because we Mm. talk all day. We connect via social media all day. We run around and run our errands all day. But the scary part of this project, so if the last project was about our heads and the science and how did we get here and and what do we need to do differently? This Mm -hmm. book was about the history of community and in the world. And Mm -hmm. I'll just say it, and this is Mm -hmm. a really bold statement, but we have never in any generation, and I would say on any continent, in any country, lived more isolated than we do in our generation. Mm-hmm. That should terrify. Yes. Uh, yeah, that totally. should terrify us. So mm-hmm. forget even the Christian biblical worldview. Just mm-hmm. based on the historical research, we have a huge problem. Mm-hmm. And, and where community in every generation prior to ours has always been somewhat village-like. There's been these connections with people in a small group of, you know, maybe 50. And within that 50, you have your family that you've, and you really rarely leave that group of people for the entirety of your life, right? You, mm-hmm. you barely right. go 20, more than 20 miles. That's, that's the history of humanity. Mm-hmm. And now we have this culture that goes all over all the time. Um, there is not a value of this. So what communities become in our day and in, in the West, in our minds is a addendum. I'm going to put it in my calendar. I'm going to, I'm going to start a supper club, mm, or yeah. I'm going to have a little get together with, with a girl's night, or I'm going to have mm-hmm. a Bible study, or I'm going to do a small group. Well, that kind of community is not at all what the Bible was written into. It's not how God mm-hmm. created us. And it's not how humans have ever lived. <laughs> mm. So yeah. we've got a massive problem. So this was a very difficult topic because it, it, and it scared me a little bit because I think everybody expected me to write the book on friendship, right. but I couldn't write the book on friendship when the whole system is broken down. I had mm. to write the book about building a village and yeah. community into mm. our lives in a different way. And, and it really takes restructuring the way we think about our lives. It's, it's yeah. so much deeper than the way we think about friends or relationships. Mm. It's the way we think about running errands. Mm. It's the way we think about um, raising our kids. It's the way we think about where we live and how we live it. And I see you two doing it, right? It's a mm-hmm. perfect example is what y'all are doing right now with the house that you're redoing. Mm-hmm. You're, 
you didn't build that house or or want to redo that house because of the view, although I'm sure that was part right. of the beauty <laughs> and fun of the vision. But right. I know y'all, I don't even have to hear mm-hmm. y'all talk about it. I know y'all did that because you want to live a communal life mm-hmm. and you got that space, you know, specifically to host and to love people and to have people in and out of your daily life. Y'all are a perfect example of this, Hmm. but we don't make decisions. Like most of the world isn't making decisions like that. And, and so I, my hope is that this gives everybody a new grid and that when you read the book, there's a little bit of just, ah, this is why I feel so lonely. Hmm. I don't think it'll discourage you. If anything, I think it'll make you feel less alone because you'll, you'll look, across the street and realize, gosh, we're all isolated with fences and, and in neighborhoods, yeah. even though we all live right here, mm-hmm. we, we built worlds in, in separation from each other. And it's just, it's not who God is and it's right. not who God built us to be. And mm-hmm. rather than thinking about community as something we add on to our lives, we've got to realize it is life. Yeah. <laughs> Connection is life. It is mm. the way we are meant to live. And so that is, that's the vision. And it's a huge vision, but I think it's possible. And, and the way I wrote the book was here's five patterns that have spanned humanity that are all biblical Mm -hmm. that we can take out of village living and put into any context of the places we live. And there's ways to do it, but it just takes being really intentional. Mm. Oh man, I cannot wait to have this book. And I think the thing is like America has been going down this path for so long and COVID just kind of like showed the, the, what do you call that? How wobbly our foundation was. Like when we can't see people, when we can't travel, when we don't go into the workplace, it just revealed that this system doesn't work and that we are all isolated. Um, so what would you say then to a listener right now who is listening and they feel really lonely and they feel really isolated? I would say that that is an unbelievable thing to admit to yourself and Mm. don't be discouraged by that because that is the first step. You cannot change anything. I mean, this is, if you go to AA or, um, or, you know, any 12 step program that you you have to begin by admitting (laughs) your reality. Right. So, so as much as it's hard to say that you can know that it's the most common truth about all the people is we all feel this. When mm-hmm. I, um, when I ask questions in rooms that I speak in, which I do a lot, just mainly for my own knowledge, but also so everybody else sees that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. I'll ask questions like how many of you struggle with anxiety? And I mean, three currently three fourths of the room. Right. Right. Um, right. and then some other questions I'll ask, and you know, it might be half the room or a third of the room. The only mm-hmm. other one besides fear and anxiety that gets the majority of the room is loneliness. Mm-hmm. And so we aren't alone in our loneliness. So the first right. thing I would do is say, that's amazing that you can admit that to yourself. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing is, this needs to offend you greatly. <laughs> <laughs> this needs yeah. to bother you. You need mm-hmm. to not be like, gosh, I wish I had friends. You need to be like, I am in opposition to the way that God made me. It needs mm. to burn in your bones that this has to change. It yeah. can't just bother you a little like, gosh, I should, I should make some friends or I should, you know, because the reason the enemy, the very best position he can get us in is a woman that is mm, yeah. brilliant on his part. Then he mm-hmm. really can tell us whatever he wants. Right. Yeah. So, so 
get everybody alone and they won't be effective because mission shuts down when you don't have community, get everybody Mm -hmm. alone and they will spin out in their own minds with their struggles and their pain and their um, sin. Mm -hmm. Get everybody in their own mind that they're the only ones that struggle with this. Then they'll never confess their sin. They'll never experience freedom. Get everybody alone that they're the only ones that their marriage is broken down. And then you've got a whole people, the church, in their little houses with their little Netflix lives, doing their punching their card every day in their in their in their cubicle or on Zoom or whatever, raising their kids totally isolated, not knowing what the heck they're doing because we're not supposed to know. We're supposed even just the saying of secular saying of it takes a village to raise a kid, even. The world knows that, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but the enemy is good at getting us isolated. And there's two reasons that happens. The first Mm -hmm. one is, is, is pain, (laughs) right? The first one is just people suck. (laughs) They just do. (laughs) They, and and I'll say it another way to clean up, but people are just hard. Like they're they're sinners and so are you. And so Mm -hmm. am I. And, Mm -hmm. and they disappoint us. And, and I think, you know, one of the lines in the book that I wrote was, was the, and it's true. I've, I truly like these three lines have gotten me through my relationships. Mm-hmm. You will disappoint me. I will disappoint you and God will never disappoint us. Mm, I love and that. if you cling to those three things, what you do is you give people permission to fail you. Yeah. You give yourself permission to fail others and not freak out that you've disappointed mm-hmm. people, you know, mm-hmm. just it's part of life. Yeah. And then you both allow God to, to be the, the better thing, the thing that yeah. is stable among you. And, mm-hmm. and it's why relationships without God in the center, any relationship without God in the center always becomes toxic and codependent. So, so being, you know, people that love God and follow God is a good thing. It should be a good thing with the church, but yeah. the enemy's also on our tails in a worse way mm-hmm. than, um, than other people. Right. So, so we've got, yeah we've got the greater hope, but we also have the greater enemy and the, and the, and the destruction. And then, and there's really not a thing that's more difficult in life. You can walk through cancer, but if you have your people, you can walk mm. through cancer. Yeah, You right. can do um, very difficult things if you mm-hmm. have your people, but mm-hmm. take away your people and isolate someone. And all of a sudden the world's caving in, even if you don't have cancer, like right, what do people right. go to counseling for? They usually don't go to counseling for, for bad circumstances. They go to counseling for broken relationships. Right. Nothing mm-hmm. gets to the core of us and hurts us more than the brokenness we experience in relationships. Mm. So this is, you know, the enemy's good, but God's better. And, and he yeah. built a plan for us to live in connection. And, and it takes us choosing that and being intentional, even when we get hurt. The second reason we build walls and it's hard is shame. That, yeah. that is, mm-hmm. I think it's a word that most people don't immediately identify with. But, but if I were to say to you, have you ever felt, um, like you didn't want to reveal, you know, what's really going on in your life or have you, here's a better question. Have you ever, when somebody asks you how you're doing, have you ever just said fine, even though you're not right. And, Mm -hmm. and that's the, the little lie that plays out in a big way, in a small way in our lives where we just kind of hide and we just kind of throw up Mm -hmm. a pretend facade of how we're really doing, because honestly, we, we don't know what to do with, the difficulty because we feel ashamed mm-hmm. that we don't have it more together. And so shame mm-hmm. separates us. Um, and then of course people are people and they hurt us. And so those yeah. two things, uh, I think are the reason it's, it's just so hard. 
Mm-hmm. Man, and I feel like even just naming it brings so much encouragement. Like, you're right. That's so true. And I love, I feel like I I lately have been saying like, I will disappoint them. They will disappoint me. But I've forgotten the last part, which is, but God never disappoints us. And so I think that's a key part mm-hmm. too. Um, hey, well, it, last, help, it helps oh. us not get cynical, right? I mean, right. that's the thing. That's the thing with that one. It's mm-hmm. real easy to get cynical. You get hurt enough and and you feel, and I get this message all the time from people. In fact, it's really why I took it on as a three-year project of my life, you know, by the mm-hmm. time I'm done talking about it, so it'll be three years. <laughs> and, um, and so it was the main thing we were getting in the inboxes. I, I can't make friends. Like it was a hopeless Right. right. And, and that, that's not okay. That, that's mm-hmm. to me, that's a red, that's not a yellow flashing light. That is a red flashing light that needs our attention. Yes. Yes. And I feel like that's actually a question I've been getting a lot with this book. And that was my last question I wanted to ask you. How do you encourage people then to find their people? Especially like you just moved to Dallas, you know, a few years ago. And I just saw a post you wrote about, about, I was worried I wouldn't find my people. And here they are. And so many people are moving right now. And even if they've lived in a certain place for a long time, they still don't feel like they have their people. So how does someone um, push forward and find their people despite the shame and the disappointment and how people hurt us, or maybe just not feeling included or welcomed in, how do you do that? Well, I always say go first Mm -hmm. and keep going first. And that's not comfortable for most of us. I would say I'm an extrovert and I take initiative in a lot of parts of my life. Mm -hmm. This is still a hard one for me. It's easier for me to stay home in my robe and watch a show and be with my family than it is to make a new friend and to risk you know, being with people. And then, and it's deeper than just Mm -hmm. planning a one night thing. It's, it's saying, Hey, could you help me clean out my closet? Like if you Mm want to know how to actually go deeper and find your people in a really deep way, it's, it's through the mundane parts of life. Like one of the chapters of the book in my research and the interviews I did with people in different cultures that live a lot better um, in community than we do. Mm -hmm. One of the things that a woman said in India was Jenny, because she moved to Chicago um, from India and she, so she's gotten into America and she said, in America, yeah. I have even my family over for dinner and they come to eat at six o'clock in India. When we say come over for dinner, we mean come over at noon and start cooking with us and oh, be, stay wow. there till every single dish is done at 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's a whole day of, yeah. it's not, it's not eating together. It's, it's cooking together and being mm-hmm. together. So I would say that's the kind of initiative you have to take is, is helping even the people that you want to be friends with realize this is way deeper than just a text stream of a few mm-hmm. girls and mm-hmm. a get together once every other week. Like this is how are we going to hold each other accountable and how are we going to see each other's lives enough to say, Hey, you're short with your kids. Like mm-hmm. how do you yeah. really make choices to put people in your day in and day out life? And, mm-hmm. and I think that's, you know, it feels like a, a scary thing to people, but it takes mm-hmm. constant initiation and that can feel discouraging, but the honest truth is it gets so fun and it's mm-hmm. so rewarding that after you've done it for a few months, you can't imagine going back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man, Jenny, I have so many more questions I could ask you. I can't wait to get this book and to read it. And I think, um, this topic can just be a continuing conversation for so many of, and talking to the Lord too, like, how can I go first? How can I, who needs a friend right now? I feel like even switching it on the head of 
man, I'm lonely and I need a friend, just saying, who can I be a friend to? Who can I go to and pursue um, in this season? Um, Oh, Jenny, this is so good. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for all that you shared. Um, I'm just so grateful for you. Mm, I feel the exact same way about you, Alyssa. I'm so grateful for you (laughs) and the light you are in the world. Oh, thanks, Jenny. Um, Well, you have a great day. Thank you so much for being on today. You bet. We'll talk soon. Okay. Hey guys, thank you for being here today. Thank you for listening. This episode was so good. Each one of these series is just gold. I love what everyone brings to the table, what they share. I was so encouraged by them and I hope you are too. Satisfied is out. I cannot believe it. It is so fun seeing you guys post about it and talk about it. If you guys have a copy, take pictures, tag me in it. Tell me what you love about it. It is just such a joy to have it finally out in the wild for you guys to read. If you haven't ordered the book yet, make sure you go anywhere books are sold, satisfiedbook.com. If you make any of the recipes, tag me, make a pie. I want to see what you're making. Thank you for coming along on this journey with me.